You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I really got to fly because I've tried to record this now twice. And both times I got a little too carried away with uh, the first segment. And it's like, you know what? I don't want this to be about this. This is supposed to be about the Detroit Lions. So I was like, all right, I'm doing it again. And I went and did a second one. And I was like, all right, it's going to take two minutes and we're going to wrap this up. And I was at eight minutes and I was like, what are you doing? Then my son woke up and he needs his things because he gets up at four in the morning, apparently. So anyways, first of all, preliminaries. Then we're going to talk about a couple other things and then we're going to wrap her up. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. There's also a link in the description if you'd like to do a one-time donation as opposed to a recurring donation for those that don't know what Patreon is. Patreon, by the way, is little as a dollar a month, so not a bad dealio there. Packernet.com for all your news notes and information. It's a uh, Packers news aggregator for those of you that are new in town. In other words, it pulls all the news from all the different sources into one, so you just go there and you get all the news in one place, rather than checking 15 different Packers websites to see if they have new news. Um, NFLBigBoard.com if you'd like to start switching your attention over to the draft. We've got pretty much everything you could ever need at NFLBigBoard.com. you got the prospects. You have them ranked from 1 to like 365. Highlights, film, um, all that good stuff. News, whatever. And scouting report. Might as well just finish the last one. Anyways, that's it for preliminaries. There is a Facebook group and also a phone number if you'd like to ask a question. Um, by the way, that last question has now... On top of turning into just answering the question and being like a five-minute answer, it's turned into four separate episodes. And then yesterday, as I explored it more, it's like, I don't think I'm directly answering his question. So I went down a different path. So that's going to be a separate segment. And then I realized I still didn't quite get to the crux of his question. So now I'm adding another layer today. So, wow. You got to be careful when you ask me questions, man. (laughs) But please do, because that has turned into a two-week ordeal. But anyways, I want to start off with the Rooney rule, and I want to keep it very concise and just say I don't like it. There's three primary reasons I don't like it. Number one, it never has and never will get a candidate hired, ever. It's not going to do it. It doesn't even intend to do it, according to Tony Dungy. So, kind of dumb. Number two, what Tony Dungy said it is supposed to do is get teams to slow down and actually get them to do their homework on all the candidates, which, of course, is implying just minorities because for some reason they wouldn't do that otherwise I'm, I'm you know not assuming that they're assuming nefarious intent but obviously they must be but that in and of itself is insulting of course teams do their due diligence teams always do their due diligence the packers when they looked for mike Pettin hired an outside consulting firm to try to find the best candidates and they found a really good one and by the way if you look at the coaching tree under mike Pettin, five of the seven guys under him are minorities the only two that aren't are Scott McCurley, defensive assistant, and uh, defensive quality control, Ryan Downard. So the two guys at the bottom of the totem pole. It's just, it's silly. And it's not necessary. Because teams hire and fire the best possible candidates. Well, hire the best, fire the worst. And third and the final reason, the reason I decided to bring it up, is because as I'm watching these arguments over the Rooney rule and all this stuff, it's just insulting, not not 
just to the teams, but to the coaching candidates. It's unfair to them that when they get interviewed, people are saying Rooney Rule. And here's the thing. Everybody gets mad at the fans. You shouldn't say it. Why? It's not the fans' fault. It's the NFL's fault for having the rule. The NFL created a rule that sows doubt, not just in the fans as to whether or not this is a quality coaching candidate, but in the coaches themselves. We've heard people get upset about it. Oh, I don't think that was a real interview. That was just a Rooney Rule thing. That's unfair. It's unfair to sow the seeds of doubt in coaches that are getting interviewed because they're good coaches. That's not fair. If we interviewed for a head coaching position, James Campen, our offensive run game coordinator, and Joe Witt, our defensive pass game coordinator, it's unfair that Joe Witt would be wondering in the back of his mind if he's just being interviewed because he's a minority. That's nonsense. He's a great coach. And that would be the reason he gets interviewed. I just, I don't like it. I don't like it. It doesn't help anything. It only hurts things. And you can see, go on Twitter and see how much unity there is now that there's a Rooney Rule. Look when somebody discusses the Rooney Rule, how much everybody gets along, how much it helps race relations. Oh, it's just wonderful, isn't it? It sounds nice and it makes the NFL feel good, but it just sows seeds of destruction everywhere. And it helps exactly zero things. Again, zero coaches will be hired because of the Rooney Rule, ever. Coaches get hired because they're great coaches. That's the case everywhere. Mike Tomlin was hired. He remains hired because he's a great coach. Todd Bowles was hired. He's going to get fired because he was a terrible coach. That's how it works. Mike McCarthy was hired because he was a great coach. He's getting fired because the team is losing. That's just the way it is. We don't need the Rooney Rule. I don't like the Rooney Rule. And again, the the biggest reason is that it's unfair to the coaches. Great coaches get interviewed and they have this thought in the back of their head... Maybe it's not because I'm a good coach. It's just because of the color of my skin. That's not right. I spent an entire day talking about Pagano and Caldwell, talking about the qualifications of Jim Caldwell and the the great things he's done as a head coach. And then you go on Twitter and it's like, oh, it's because he's black. Come on, man. And they're kind of doing the same thing to Pagano, but nobody really knows why because nobody likes either of these coaches. So it's kind of like, well... Pagano, I don't know, it was a fact-finding mission or whatever. I don't know. Maybe they really like him. Because we don't really have that many excuses. But but Caldwell, they they just say, oh, well, he was never a real candidate. He's a terrible coach, and they just hired him because of the color. That's not fair to Jim Caldwell. And I don't think that's the reason they interviewed him. But anyways, there you go. That's my thoughts on the Rooney Rule. It's nonsense, and it should go away. And I don't care if it makes certain people feel good as though they're accomplishing something or trying to do something right for, you know, social justice or race relations. You're not doing anything to help anybody except make yourself feel good. Get over yourself. Let's move on with our lives. Stop patronizing people. We're not little children. This isn't kindergarten. Adults make decisions. Let adults make decisions. Anyways, let's talk about the Detroit Lions. I did pretty good that time. That was better. Much better. So, as per usual, and this is officially the last time of the year, at least as far as breaking down teams that the Packers are playing, I'll probably do this again as far as the playoffs, because, I don't know, we got to talk about something. Might as well talk about teams in the playoffs, right? But I'm going to be looking, as usual, at Pro Football Focus to try to give a little bit of insight into not only where the team is, but where they've been trending and that kind of stuff. First of all, overall, they have the Green Bay Packers ranked 14th and the Detroit Lions 19th. Um, You know, and again... This is sort of an overview of the entire season. If you remember, the Packers were not that long ago, like ninth. 
So they've been plummeting over the last few weeks. So even though in a snapshot you look at it and say, well, we're 14th and they're 19th, I think if you just extrapolate out the last four or five weeks, pretty good chance the Lions are actually higher than the Packers. But just running through overall really quickly, their offense overall is uh, graded 19th. Their defense overall is 25th. Defense is not very good. They do have some really good pieces, though. I'm going to cut it off there because it's a little more important, the trending, as opposed to what they've done over the season. But I just want to give you the, the big ones. So as far as trends, you could say that they're getting a little bit better. It, it's kind of just one of these things where you kind of have streaks. So at the beginning of the season, things weren't that horrible. The first game against the Jets was pretty bad. The second game against the 49ers got a little bit better. And it, actually, things continued to get better for consecutive weeks. Then against the Patriots, things got you know, that was when they broke into the good category. Then against the Cowboys, it was actually very good, even though they lost the game by two points. The offense played maybe its best, most complete game of the entire season. Defense was complete trash, but the offense looked pretty good. They regressed a little bit against the Packers, even though they beat the Packers. They played like garbage and still managed to win. That was actually their worst game of the season. I don't know. Holy cow. Yikes. Yeah, so they're the worst game of the season by quite a big margin was the game they played against the Packers. The defense was just absolutely abysmal. Packers only managed 23 points against them. The uh, offense actually wasn't even that good either. Stafford played decent. That was his uh, third best game, but everybody else just played like garbage. But anyways, 31 points over the Packers. That's wonderful. The following week, week seven, was their best game of the entire season. And then they go into a different patch, right? It's somewhat of a not super great patch. Just kind of mediocre Seahawks, Vikings, Bears. Then they have a pretty good patch. The From week 11 through week 15, four of their next five games were in the good category. That's the biggest streak, I guess you could say, they had. Well, maybe not. This was four or five, too. So four or five, three bad games, four or five, and then they've had uh, one kind of mediocre game against the Vikings. Overall, though, it's relatively consistent. They haven't. They, the only bad game they had was against the Packers. The only very good game they had was the very next week or two weeks later against the Dolphins. Everything else is either average or good, so 60s or low 70s, like mid-60s to mid-70s, so 65 to 75-ish. So they're, they're relatively consistent overall. Offense has been really consistent, uh, with the exception of the Cowboys and Dolphins games, um, which really stood out as far as the passing game. Stafford has been a little bit more volatile. He had those two games in which he was very good, the Cowboys and the Dolphins. He's mostly been pretty average throughout the season, but he had three weeks, Seahawks, Vikings, Bears, where he was just complete garbage. Thanks a lot for that, by the way, uh, Stafford, for completely falling apart when you played the Vikings and the Bears and the Seahawks. That's awesome, dude. Pass blocking, they've got a very good pass blocking offensive line. Very few blips. The Rams uh, was the only game in which they didn't really look good. Um, three... Two of the last three weeks have been their two best weeks, if that makes sense. Arizona Cardinals and then the Minnesota Vikings last week was their best week of the season. Now, sandwiched in between there is a subpar, actually their worst game ever, but, you know, it's 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 kind of up and down. You never know what you're going to get, but the bottom line is this. Very good pass blocking unit. Packers don't really have a pass rush. I'm willing to bet they're going to have a really good game against the Packers. Uh, receivers are definitely trending downward. I would say that they were a fairly good unit through week seven even you could even say through week 11 since then it's been all pretty bad not surprisingly um after week 10 is when they lost marvin jones to ir so that that has really hurt their receiving group quite a bit 
Um, starting in week 12, they've had three of the last five games have been below average. Below average to bad. They, they, they've never had a below average game all season. Weeks 12, 14, and 16 against the Vikings, the Cardinals, and the Bears were all pretty bad games. The Rams and Bills were pretty average. So the passing game has not been great. Stafford hasn't had a very good game since week 7. The receivers haven't really been any good since Marvin Jones went out. Looking at their run game, first of all, like most teams, they don't have very good run blockers. However, it's gotten pretty good since week 12. So they they pretty much were straight trash through week 11. Then starting in week 12, with the exception against the Minnesota Vikings, probably because they have a good defensive line, they've really stepped it up. However, hasn't really impacted the run game very much. I mean, a, a little bit. They went from subpar to par, right? Slightly below average to basically average. So it's it it's not nearly as much of a threat as we all thought it might be. Carry um, on Johnson is a pretty good running back. Uh, he is on IR though. Interestingly enough, uh, week twelve would be or no, no, it was week eleven. Week eleven is when things actually started to get, like I said, moderately better. But week eleven is when things started to get better. Week ten is when Carry uh, on went on IR. Week ten was the last time Carry on Johnson played. So Carry on Johnson goes on IR, and the running game actually improved a little bit. So that's weird. Um, flipping over to the defense, things have certainly improved overall, but I think that really just comes down to their run defense. Uh, bringing on Snacks Harrison has done wonders. I know a lot of people don't really care for him, but as far as a run defender, it doesn't really get much better. The Bears, or the Bears, the Lions, I believe, do have the best defensive line in football. They have three players that are basically elite on their defensive line. Now, they're a 4-3 team, so only two of them go out at a time. Typically, I suppose there's maybe times when they don't do that. But Damon Harrison, Snacks Harrison, is the second best. He's graded as the second highest interior defensive player in the NFL. Now, he isn't regarded that way. See, and this is where it gets kind of tricky because people care about your ability to rush the passer. He has no ability to rush the passer. But you're not going to find anybody better against the run than, than Damon Harrison. The same is true with Ashawn Robinson. Ashawn Robinson is the 11th best. They have Deshaun Hand, who is also drafted, who is not quite as good as a run defender, but he's much better as a pass rusher. He's a little bit more balanced. In fact, they're almost the exact same grade. But he is graded as the 15th best. So they have the second best, the 11th best, and the 15th best. (laughs) Three of the top 15 defensive linemen are Detroit Lions. Now, Deshaun Hand, unfortunately, is on IR, so it doesn't really matter. But just in the long run, and we're not talking about a small sample size. Deshaun Hand and Ashawn Robinson both have the pretty much the same amount of snaps on the season. But those three guys going forward, oh my goodness. Actually kind of makes me wonder why they had to get Damon Harrison, because you already have two. But whatever. Maybe because Deshaun Hand got hurt. I don't know. Um, their, their tackling is, is somewhat improving. They've had a couple of really bad games, but overall you can definitely see a trend of that improving. That's a good thing. For a team, that's a good thing as a coach because, again, uh, when I'm looking at tackling, I'm just looking at fundamentals, and I want to see that get better over time. It would be nice to see a team come out of the gate you know, ready and prepared. But, again, you kind of want to see that hardening process. The Lions are long out of the playoff hunt, but that's a good sign for, for a team and for a, a head coach. You want to see that improvement. Their pass rush is straight trash. I mean, if there's any team with a worse pass rush than the Packers, it's the Lions. They just they have nothing left. Um, that's probably not true. There's probably quite a few teams, but yeah, the, 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 they just don't have anything over there. Coverage for the most part is pretty horrendous. Um, you know, I, I, I got my mock draft channel and it's kind of a challenge to figure out 
who exactly to give to them, but usually it's going to be somebody in the secondary. Um, however, I got yelled at because it's like, have you looked at our pass rushers? And it's like, oh yeah, shoot. <laughs> so between pass rushers and safeties and corners, um, they need some help. Uh, the one guy that stands out, though, as far as their secondary is concerned, is Tracy Walker. They haven't really given him a full-time role yet, it looks like, but he is, his snaps are slowly increasing, especially the last three weeks or so. And the dude is good. He's, he's not elite as far as coverage is concerned, but he's about as sure a tackler as you're going to find. He's playing free safety. Maybe they should consider putting him at strong safety. But uh, just overall, pretty solid. The, the, the coverage, the tackling, and the run defense are all at least above average to you know very good. Overall, he's stringed together a pretty solid group of games here. He's actually technically graded as the second highest graded safety, which is not surprising because every time we go up against a team, there's an elite safety somewhere. But it's it's just kind of a weird situation. He's a third-round pick for the Detroit Lions this past year. So he's young, he's ascending, so they're not really sure when to officially make the switch. You know, they've already got Quandre Diggs and Clover, Glover Quinn. you got to kind of tread carefully, especially in a game like this that doesn't matter to pull one of these guys and put in, in Tracy Walker. However, I would expect next year for this team to kind of say, maybe move on from one of these guys or, or possibly put him at corner and, and let uh, Tracy Walker play. I don't know. But anyways, that's the sort of overall. Looking specifically, the offense is not exactly what you would hope from a Lions team. I mean, it's what we would hope, but it's not what Lions fans are hoping for. Uh, Kenny Galladay, very, very good wide receiver. He's our top guy, but he's barely in the very good category. So they don't have a lot of really top-end offensive playmakers. The only other guy that's in the very good category is Kerryon Johnson, who's on IR. Uh, Joe Dahl and Matt Stafford are pretty close. Joe Dahl is a guard. It's also a pretty small sample size. He just came on in week 12, but he's been playing some pretty good football. He, he uh, Last week was pretty horrible against the Vikings, but other than that, he's been really solid. 2016 fifth-round guy. The one negative, though, is that he's replacing T.J. Lang. T.J. Lang was graded as the 10th highest graded uh, offensive guard. Joe Dahl is <clears throat> technically graded higher, but it's a pretty small sample size. He's had three really good games and um, one really terrible game. So not a massive upgrade there. And actually, I don't even know if that's true that he's repl- I don't think it is. I don't think he is replacing T.J. Lang because they have Frank Ragnow and Kenny Wiggins as their guards. I don't know why because Dahl is... It seems like he's rotational. Maybe they're putting him in for Wiggins once in a while because Wiggins is straight trash. I don't really understand it. But for the second time now, they've got a really good football player and they're choosing not to play him. So of their top (laughs) four prospects, uh, two of them are, well, one of them is on IR. One of them doesn't really play. So you got Kenny Galladay, Matthew Stafford, and then Rick Wagner, the, the tackle, TJ Lang, the guard, who is on IR, Marvin Jones, the wide receiver, who is on IR. And then you only have two more players who are in the good category, Theo Riddick, who is getting limited opportunities because it's kind of a rotational backfield, and Golden Tate, who is no longer on the team. So that's the Detroit Lions offense. The only good players on the team are Theo Riddick, TJ Lang, nope, sorry, he's on IR, Rick Wagner, the tackle, Matt Stafford, and Kenny Galladay. Yikes. Outside of that, you just get a whole lot of average, not a ton of, uh, you know, regular contributors that are really bad. Luke Wilson has been a pretty big flop for the team, the tight end. Uh, Kenny Wiggins, I mentioned the guard, is not very good. Uh, TJ Jones, the other wide receiver who's come in for Marvin Jones, is not very good. And running back LeGarrette Blunt, as most people would have assumed, is not very good. So, and and that, that was the other thing, too, that I forgot to mention. 
not only did this team lose uh, Marvin Jones, they gave away Golden Tate. They traded him away. So now their wide receiver room goes from Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, and Kenny Galladay to Kenny Galladay, uh, TJ Jones, and Brandon Powell. TJ Jones and Brandon Powell are not good. So they go from a stable of three pretty good wide receivers to having one pretty good wide receiver and two trash wide receivers, which is going to be good. We'll talk about tomorrow when we do our breakdown of how this happens. But anytime a team, think Packers now, has only one good wide receiver, it really hurts your team. Because you put yourself in a situation where you can just either put your one good corner on him, if he's that good, you put your one solid corner on the guy, and then you really don't have to worry about anybody else because whether you have good second, third corners or not, it doesn't matter because the other guys are trash. Or if the guy is really good, you can just double team him. So now you've got your, say, your number three corner and a safety double teaming your number one guy. You have your number one wide receiver up against their number two like T.J. Jones, and that's an absolute joke. Jones isn't going to see the ball ever. Then you got your number two corner on their number three. I know it kind of gets a little dicey with the slot stuff. you got to actually have a slot guy. It can't just be one, two, three. But whatever, you get what I'm saying. It's going to hurt the Lions. And then on top of that, like I said, Luke Wilson, their tight end, is just not very good. So really what they have is Stafford and Galladay, which is like the poor man's version of Rodgers and Adams. Theo Riddick, who is a pretty average running back in a fairly decent uh, offensive line. Nobody really that's very elite. They're all just kind of average to good, with Wiggins, that right guard spot, being sort of the one weak spot there. So they'll probably have some success running the ball, a little bit of success throwing the ball uh, to the running backs, to Galladay, maybe occasionally to some of these other guys. But overall, it's just kind of a bleh unit. And unfortunately for the Lions, even though they've got a a relatively decent amount of draft capital, mostly high picks, not quantity, is that they have so many needs. And it's it's similar to the Packers' needs, but to a much greater degree. You know, they need linebackers a lot more than we need linebackers. They need pass rushers as bad as we need pass rushers. They need wide receivers more than we need wide receivers. They probably need a tight end more than we need a tight end. They need corner more than we need corner. So they're in a pretty tough spot. But uh, let's flip over to defense quickly. Uh, I already mentioned Damon Harrison is their top guy. So the defense actually, even though the defense is the biggest weak spot, it's also the spot that has the the actual talent on it, right? The, the elite talent. So Snacks Harrison is an absolute freak. Marcus Cooper is technically their second highest graded guy, but that's really, really small sample size. Uh, cornerback, the only reason is because he played two games, pretty limited snaps. In one of those games, he was elite. The other game, he was trash, so it averages out, so it's it's an inflated thing, so that doesn't even count. Tracy Walker, I mentioned, uh, that's a little less of a fluke. I think he's going to be a, uh, again, third-round guy. He's playing pretty well. I think he's going to be a full-time starter in 2019. A'shaun Robinson and Deshaun Hand. Deshaun Hand, again, is on IR, but these are two other guys that are in the, the very, very good category. After that, massive drop-off. You've got three guys that are listed as good. One of them is Marquise Flowers, who's only played one game. He's not even on the team right now. He's a Redskin. So, I, again, every time I list off the good players, it's either IR or they got kicked off the team or whatever. Uh, the other good player is Ezekiel Ansah, who I believe is on IR and will not be back with the team next year. And then Darius Slay. Uh, Slay, you probably remember from the last time we got together, there was a lot of hype about him being this really good lockdown corner. I think it was a little bit overhyped. He's good. He's not elite. I think we've gone up against better, but he's a good corner. That's pretty much it. So again, they've, they've got the real high-end talent, but it's pretty much all defensive line. And there's like three of them in a 4-3. Three. 
So two of them are on the field. Again, unless one of them can go off the edge, which is entirely possible, I don't know. But otherwise, just there's nothing here, and this is why the defense really falls apart, is you've got a couple of good defensive linemen. Otherwise, you got Darius Slay, who's pretty good, and that's pretty much it. Quandre Diggs is meh. Ricky Jean Francois, we all know him. He's their 10th highest graded defensive player, and that includes people on IR, people that aren't on the team anymore, people that won't be with the team next year. That should tell you a lot. As far as terrible players, <laughs> this... Oh, man, this makes me so sad. Now, as I've mentioned, and I talk about him every time we talk about the Lions, I dropped my uh, my grade on him. I didn't even have a grade. I, I dropped him into the second round when I f- saw his 40 time. But it makes me so sad to see Tease Tabor at the bottom of this list, just one of the worst ever. Hasn't even played a snap since week 11. I hope he's on IR because, I don't know, he probably isn't. He's just really bad, but it makes me sad. Just go watch some of his college highlights, man. Dude was good. He was so good. It's not even the highlights. I wasn't just watching. I was watching his film, and it's like, I, and in a really good cornerback class, I had him as my number three. Marshawn Lattimore, Marlon Humphrey, and Tease Tabor. But anyways, don't need to worry about him. Just makes me sad. The other guy that is really, really not good, second worst guy on the team, is Jared Davis. Jared Davis is another guy I really, really liked in the draft because I like linebackers that are thumpers, and that's what he was. Wasn't a good linebacker, but I didn't really care. I just like guys that can rip people's heads off. Well, the Lions went and got that guy, drafted him in the first round, and he's been absolutely horrible. After that, it's just, I mean, there's a pile of guys. And you can see just based on the snap counts that, you know, they're mixing and matching a lot of different people. A lot of things just aren't working. You got Eli Harold, who's not real good. Deshaun Shedd, not hand, Shedd, not very good. Jalen Reeves-Mabin at linebacker comes in occasionally. Mike Ford, Eric Lee, Jamal Agnew. I mean, there's just a pile of names that just aren't very good. So overall, as we're looking at it, they've, they've got, uh, as I mentioned, they're two very good inside guys. They got Ricky Jean Francois uh, as a defensive end in their base, which is hilarious. And then uh, Mr. Romeo Aquara as their other defensive end, who's also not good. Their corners, obviously, are Slay, who's pretty good. They've got Nevin Lawson, who's pretty mediocre. And then they have Mike Ford, who's a rookie this year and is not very good. they got Jared Davis as their linebacker, who I mentioned is not good. Christian Jones, who is also pretty terrible. They've got Glover Quinn, who's at times pretty good, but extremely volatile. Uh, I've talked about him before, how it's, it's like a weird little series of steps. So starting in 2012, mediocre, good, real good. Then start over again. Mediocre, good, real good. Actually, technically elite. What is he this year? Mediocre. What's he going to be next year? Good. What's he going to be the year after that? Elite. How do I know? I don't. I just think it's funny. Finally, Quandre Diggs is the other safety. I mean, these guys are pretty mediocre safeties. They they have talent, but they also can really kind of blow it. They're they're like haha Clinton Dix, I guess. Just uh, less talented. But anyways, I mean, this is... You know, on, on paper, the Packers are a better team. There's really not a whole lot of debate about that. We'll have to monitor the injuries. Um, again, I know everybody's freaking out. All oh, the Packers are the most injured team in history. Well, they're not. I mean, again, I just went through the Lions. Their entire team is decimated, just like everybody's is, because it's the end of the year and guys get hurt in football. But um, Aaron Rodgers has got an elite grade this year. David Bakhtiari is one of the best, if not the best, uh, tackles in the NFL. Um, we've got Lindsley and Balaga, who are better offensive linemen than they have. Obviously, the interior guys are going to give us a little bit of a hard time, but again, they're terrible pass rushers, so 
as far as throwing the football, I think that's going to be our, our main objective here. We don't have a lot of healthy running backs, so running the ball up the gut, I mean, at least as far as up, up the gut goes, is probably not the best strategy. But um, really, if you just don't run it up the middle, uh, they're kind of useless. Then what do they have? They've got Darius Slay, and that's about it. And they put Slay on Adams. Adams is still going to beat Slay. And then we got Marquez, we got EQ, we got Jimmy Graham. We've got all these guys that can attack their garbage corners, their barely mediocre safeties, and their absolutely horrific linebackers. I mean, they just don't have any way to match up against anybody. This is a team in complete rebuild. Right? The Packers are in a mini rebuild, which is to say, first of all, I think if you just had this thing running at 100%, this is probably a playoff team. If if the Packers right now were at 100%, they're probably going to squeak into a wild card spot. I mean, you could easily pick out a handful of games that should have been won. Um, I'm not even talking about the Rams, because I know it was close, but that's not a game that they should have won. The Cardinals, give me a break. The Green Bay Packers at home, playing at 100% with Aaron Rodgers, Bakhtiari, Balaga, Adams, all these guys, that's a win. 99 times out of 100, if the Packers are at 100%. But beyond that, it's a mini-rebuild because there's still some pieces, right? There's there's a good amount of defensive pieces, primarily a pass rusher. Wouldn't hurt to get wide receiver. I know that's debatable, but I would like to see at least one more, you know, not late-round guy. Um, but then, you, you really, if you if you look at our, our front five and even our front seven, it's not a bad group. I mean, we, we talk about how we have the worst edge rushers ever. I mean, not really. I mean, compared to the Lions, I mean, Kyler Fackrell is graded as good. Clay Matthews is... is above average. Tyler Lancaster is good. Dean Lowry is good. Montrevious Adams, despite having a horrible first half of the year, overall he's graded as good. Blake Martinez is good. The only guy that's not right now is Antonio Morrison, the linebacker, and he makes a ton of impactful plays. Jair Alexander is a good corner going up against uh, Kenny Galladay. Jackson and Brown are, are graded as, you know, Jackson is mediocre, Brown is below average, but they're still better than their wide receivers. So, I mean, it's just, there is talent. It's just, this team just is kind of mediocre. The defense is mediocre. Bashad Breland at safety, mediocre. Tremont Williams at safety, mediocre. Everybody's just mediocre. The only guy that's graded as bad is Tony Brown, and everybody loves Tony Brown because we've seen the flashes. I like Tony Brown. I want Tony Brown to stay. I want him on the team next year. I like the guy. So, anyways, I would much rather be the Packers than I would rather than to be the Lions. The Lions just had unquestionably have a long way to go. The Packers more or less need to fill holes that are going to be voided, right? Clay Matthews is average. I know he doesn't get as many sacks as we'd like, and that's all everybody cares about with edge rushers is sacks. His overall grade, though, is just not all that horrible. So we need to develop the guys we got. We need to fill some of these holes. We need edge rusher for sure. I think Josh Jones took a small step. If we can continue to keep get him developing, especially, you know, as a linebacker, I think that's sort of his strength. You know, the the... Defensive interior is looking pretty good, especially with uh, Mr. Lancaster. I don't know what's going on with that guy, but suddenly we've got Lancaster and, and Clark and and, uh, and Mike Daniels. So, anyways, this is it. This is uh, we're gonna do sort of the more matchup stuff tomorrow. This will be the last one of the season, at least for the Packers. Game doesn't really matter all that much if we win. Great, it'll be good for the team. You know, feeling good about stuff. We'll be two and zero. 2-0 going into 2019. Still got a coach search coming up. If we lose, whatever. Hopefully it'll help us in the draft. We can go from, you know, maybe down to 
you know, if we're super lucky, we can get all the way down to 10, and that would be awesome. But whatever. Either way, it's not the end of the world. It was a lost season. Um, but the Packers are close. They could be a lot worse. There's a lot of teams out there that are not even close to being close. They just have too many holes to even make this thing work. The Packers have the biggest pieces, as we talked about. They've got the quarterback. They've got the left tackle. They've got the number one wide receiver. They've got their number one corner. They've got, you know, a couple really good inter- interior guys that have some ability as pass rushers. If we can get that actual pass rush, pass rusher, you know, th- this team is they pretty much got all the pieces they need. You know, there's still holes. There's still problems. But those those are the, the things that are going to help a team get to where it needs to be. Nobody has a perfect team. The Chiefs have a lot of holes. They're dominant. The Saints' offensive line is kind of a joke. They've got a left tackle. They've got a right tackle. Their left guard, their center, and their right guard are not good. They do not have a good tight end. They do not have a good number two wide receiver. However, they're dominant. They've got a left tackle, a right tackle, a great quarterback, and a great wide receiver. We pretty much have the exact same thing, minus the really good right. We have a good right tackle, though, and we also don't have as good of a running back. Their defense, I mean, they've got Lattimore, who's about as good as our rookie wide receiver, and they've got a whole lot of nothing else at corner, pretty similar to what we have. They've got a good duo at defensive line, a couple decent linebackers, a couple decent safeties, and a really, really good pass rusher. So the difference between the Saints and the Packers, it's not that vast. It's pretty much the same team. They, They have an elite pass rusher. A little better players on defense, but we also have a better offensive line. So, you know, it's encouraging when you look at it because so many times I look at it and I say, oh, look at all these holes we got to fill. We don't have to fill all the holes. Nobody has to fill all the holes. You just have to go out and win. Find ways to get a lot of good players and go win with those players. You can mitigate weaknesses, especially, you know, we're talking about right guard, and I'm obsessed with it because they're so bad, and I would like to get an upgrade there, but, I mean, you can mitigate that a little bit. You can survive. You can complete passes. You can you can score touchdowns. You know, what, what we need is our GM to get some really, really quality players, especially at pass rusher. We need a head coach that knows how to take the talent we have and make something out of it. The Saints, I think, are one of the best teams. They are the best team in the NFL, and one of the things that I've been looking at is how they compare to other teams in the past. This, this, is, this is as dominant a team as, as we've seen in quite a while. Offense, defense, the whole nine yards. They're very, very, very good, and they have holes everywhere. So... No reason the Green Bay Packers can't be back on top. I think maybe a couple pieces, especially a pass rusher, are going to be huge. Otherwise, let's just hit on a couple and develop the guys we got and give it a shot in 2019. There's no reason they can't be back on top. Zero reason. So, anyways, I'm going to stop talking now. You folks, enjoy your Friday. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Have a good one. Uh, Bye-bye.